Uh, I am excited to be here with you today uh, for a little bit longer, and um, I mean, just on the screen, nothing's happening. Uh, we are in a series that for uh, a while now, that not for a while, but we will continue to be in it for a little while, called The Gospel Changes Everything, uh, and the hope our hope is that we get the opportunity to see how the gospel, or the good news of Jesus, this news that has come to us, that there is a God who has rescued us, um, changes everything. Uh, and we're, gonna, we're looking at different areas of life, how that's changed uh, everything. We have looked uh, at what the creation mandate is, which is all, all it is, is we've looked at how the gospel has changed our purpose. And we've been people who are blessed and we get to be a blessing that God has blessed us and we get to grow and care for joining God and caring for the world. We looked at how the gospel has changed, where we look for wisdom, how God is the place to start for wisdom. And last week we had the opportunity to look, um, remember we looked at the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal, and it, it gave us uh, an idea of what idol worship looked like in that moment uh, with, with those people, but also an, an opportunity to remember uh, that we do the same thing. And uh, m- many of these weeks, that's that's ultimately what we're looking at is a thing that we make into an idol, that we worship a created thing, that we, we try to turn into our creator, um, and it doesn't work for us. Um, and so last week we looked at social media and um, how we can engage in that and not expect it to uh, provide satisfaction and security uh, and the love that our God gives us. Ultimately, we're looking... Um, these weeks, uh, at what it looks like to be filled, blessed, and then to overflow and to be blessings. Not just filled and then we stop and we just have a full cup and we enjoy that cup. I guess that's the metaphors are mixed, but ultimately what it means to be blessed and overflow that those blessings of God, because that is who we're created to be. That's what brings us joy and peace and all that comes with that. And so we're going to continue to look um, at that today. Um, for the next two weeks, we're going to look at what it looks like to be blessed and to be a blessing. To be blessed and what it looks like for to help things grow and multiply and to care for what God has given us to steward things well. Uh, in, the, in the arena of politics and policy and elections, and if you can imagine what it feels like to be in an election, think for a minute, what would it be like to be in an election season? Oh, I think we know. Um, we want to look at what it looks like to interact in that, for the gospel to intersect in a political season and how that changes how we participate in the flourishing of our communities and even just how it affects our hearts. So today we're going to look um, re- really mostly at how does that affect us? How does that change how we view things? I have no plans to tell you who to vote for or or the intricacies of of political science or what issues are most important and that you have to vote on those issues. I'm not going to fake that I know necessarily a lot about politics. I don't know like the couple phrases that, you know, you say like in a conversation, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that kind of economics. Um, That's not my goal. My goal is here to be uh, a pastor of a local church who just reminds you of the gospel and how it has freed us from a season that can be kind of a life-sucking season 
and how it changes the world in us and also calls us and empowers us to engage in a different way than others are asking us to. I'm really excited about this because it's been a huge blessing in my life. Um, in fact, this week I got a really kind of crazy voicemail I wanted to share with you. Let me let me uh, share this with you. It's just wild. Listen up. Uh, see if you've gotten a voice maybe like this. Oh, I got a notification. Voicemail. Who is this from? Hi, I'm Aaron from Vote Squad. I'm a real person who isn't a robot. I'm calling to make sure you vote in the upcoming presidential election. Okay. It is the most important election in U.S. history and will decide the fate of our country. No election has ever been even close to this important. It will determine if we exist in 2021. Remember that one of the candidates will destroy us and the other will solve all your problems. Do not mess this up. I'm begging you to make the right choice. May God have mercy on your soul. Have a nice day. Beep boop beep boop. Powering dow 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 down. Hmm. Strange voicemail, huh? Sounded almost British, which was interesting. Um, not a robot though. Um, uh, right, right. I, I, I've gotten those. Not that. I mean, I'm spoiler. I made that on a robot software. It, it was a robot. It was me. Um, but how quick right now I feel things like this election or we hear this election is the most important ever. If you make the wrong decision, you're going to ruin everything for everyone. If you make the wrong choice, you've now elected Satan's assistant. How quick we are to feel nervous to even mention issues in our country because it instantly puts us into a camp. We instantly, if we have a sign in our yard, our neighbors go, oh, I know everything they believe. If I see a sign in someone's yard, I say, I know Everything they believe, they hate these people and they love these people. They love money and they don't like these people, right? I, I think I confuse what is true. I think I say that word once a day at least when I see I get a text or a voicemail from the vote squad or whatever, and I get, what is true? I don't know what's true, what's right. I want to hide some days because I don't know what to do. Um, this is why the gospel is so good. This is why today we're going to stop and look. Why is the gospel, this good news of Jesus' death and resurrection, so many years ago, so relevant today, and so important that we understand the very real existence of King Jesus as we begin to think and see and process and allow those things to wash over us and engage in those things. How should we see our political leaders, the platforms and policies of those people? Um, I, it, it, the gospel is the answer and will empower you in a different way than if you don't hold on to King Jesus as you move forward. I, I've been really blessed by um, lots of, there's plenty of things to read on this and people to follow. There's a podcast about church and politics. It's uh, 
that's led by a couple people. Uh, one of them is uh, this guy, Justin uh, Gibney, I believe is how you say his name. He started the Anne campaign with some other people and helps lead it. It's a, it's a campaign that is trying to help Christians see that they can uh, rely on kind of their orthodoxy and be involved in justice and issues. And they just wrote a book recently called Compassion and Conviction. Um, it's been really helpful to just to think about what that looks like. And I really like how he says this. And this is my hope for today as we look into what it looks like to be blessed and how the gospel shapes us in how we view things, especially politics. He says the goal is not to have all Christians share the same exact politics, but to have all Christians think Christianly about politics. You could put anything in that, right? You could say the goal is to have all Christians share the same views of social media, but to have all Christians think Christianly about social media. And that's, that is our hope today as we get into this. Um, so just start thinking, I don't, my starting place isn't God often. And my, and I need to have my starting place uh, in some truths that are vital to what it looks like. And so let's get after that. Today, we're going to look at a moment in history uh, where Jesus reveals um, some things about government and how they work as, as we also are, it's revealed to us as we interact with a governor and some other leaders in this community, some local leaders and, and a governor of a whole region who's connected to the ruler of a whole land. And Jesus talks and makes some comments that really help us understand what this is. We're in the book of John. If you want to flip to your book of John and your uh, paper Bible, maybe you're holding a paper Bible with you, uh, maybe you have a device. Also, those passages will be on the screen for us um, to share and look at um, the, the few Bible passages we're going to look at today. This is a moment in time, so you know where we're at. Um, Jesus, uh, whose God has come to earth to save his people. He's born, he's raised. When he's about 30, he starts his ministry where he shows off his power. He shows off that he has power over creation and people. He has power over the spiritual world in casting out demons. In fact, he has power even over death as he raises his friend Lazarus from the dead. And in all of this, his power begins to show that he could be the Messiah, the one coming to save the world. Um, and in that, people start to get upset with him because now he's upsetting the system that these leaders have, these chief priests and leaders in this community, in the Jewish community. And so they're getting upset because people are starting to follow him. He's starting to speak out against them. And so it's, it's really throwing off their power, which is connected to their status and their wealth. Um, and so Jesus, they eventually have a, form a plot to kill Jesus. And this is where we're at. They arrest Jesus and bring him to Pilate. Pontius Pilate is the governor of the region. Now, let's keep all these things straight. The leaders are Jewish leaders but they're in an area that is controlled by the Roman Empire, like a lot of the world in that area. And Pontius Pilate is the governor in that area. They bring him there because they want Pontius Pilate to kill this Jesus who's messing up their, their plans, their control, their leadership. So they bring Jesus to Pontius Pilate, who is a Roman governor who's now being brought into this feud, this uh, conflict with these Jewish people. And so that's about kind of where we pick it up. Jesus is in, 
in, in the home or the palace here. And Pontius Pilate uh, talks to the, the Jewish leaders and he comes back to talk to Jesus. So he's walking back into a room where Jesus is and he's talking to Jesus. Pilate then went back inside the palace. He summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Do you lead this? Do you lead these people? Jesus says to him, is that your own idea? Or did others talk to you about it? Jesus knows that Pilate himself wouldn't have been like, oh, this guy's the king of the Jews. He's causing problems. It's only because these people have brought him to him and told him that. Pilate says, am I a Jew? No, he's saying, I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not a Jew. He says, your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you've done? He's asking a great question. What have you done to make these people want me to execute you? What have you done to these people? What's going on? There's like a feud amongst these Jewish people that are this people group within my region that I govern. What have you done? Now, there's a lot of history here that's important for us to understand before we get to Jesus' answers. He's been asked if he's king. Uh, Pontius Pilate is asking, what does that mean? Are, are you do, have you done something to these people? Um, let's, look a, let's look a little bit at the history so we understand. Let's go way back, years and years and years, the history of God's people. Way back. Um, sorry, way back, God's people. In Deuteronomy 6, we hear God's, God establishes his people and... Um, he gives them a lot of commands of what it looks like to live life. As, a, as the king of his people, he says, I am king, God is king, and his people uh, agree that they're his people. And he gives them uh, a laws to live by, commandments to live by, and observe these things in your heart and your soul. And he says, if you follow these things, life comes to you. And if you don't follow them, death comes to you. He, also, he sets up what it looks like, the creator of the universe sets up what creation is supposed to look like. And so he says that, and at this point, they were his people and he was their king. We see this in Deuteronomy 6. And in Deuteronomy 30, we hear that God says, you, you need to choose life in me or death in anything else. Now, God's people aren't huge fans of this. As time goes on, they continue. If you remember this point, I mean, they're broken. They're sinful people. They turn from God and they eventually come to someone named Samuel, who is the leader. And they say, we don't like how you or your family are leading us. We want a king to lead us. And, and Samuel says, I, I, this, is, this is nuts. This, God is our king. And they say, no, we want a king to lead us. And God says to them, listen, this is in 1 Samuel 8. Listen to all the people are saying to you. It is not that they're rejecting you, Samuel, but they're rejecting me as their king. Since the day I brought them out of Egypt, they have forsaken me and served other gods. And so they're doing that to you and me today. And so in 1 Samuel 8, we see the people want another king. In fact, they cry out in there, we want another king, just like the other nations have other kings. They're saying, we want to look like pagan nations who are, who are not the nation of God. So they want to look and live like all those people that look like they're having a great time with their kings. So we see in the history of God's people, 
God being their king and then them turning and wanting someone else and putting their hope in that king. And in fact, they say this phrase, we want a king over us, a human person over us, not you, Samuel, or God. Then we would be like all the other nations with a king to lead us. And hear this, that will go out before us and will fight our battles. We want a king who will go fight our battles. They aren't happy with Samuel or his sons. And they forget that God is their king. And so they reject them. And they ask for someone else to go fight their battles. This decision will haunt God's people forever. Many people will become king and go and fight battles for their people. Many will turn people away from God. We hear story after story of kings and leaders. In fact, seasons with no kings because kings, kings must be bad. Maybe we have some judges that will rule us. And over and over the people turn from God and turn to their own. They choose not God in life. They choose death over and over. And these kings sometimes rule faithfully for a time, but they can never be the God who goes before us and fights our battles in the way God does. They often can turn themselves into gods that brings destruction or death. Many fight and win battles, but sometimes they keep the spoils of war for themselves. They become blessed by God, but do not become blessings. They don't love God with their whole hearts, and eventually they fall. They're broken. There's They're sinners. We're sinners and we're broken. And in the end, we cannot be God. They're not able to fight the most important battle of all, which God can do. And God then promises this in 2 Samuel. He declares to his people that there will be a king who will come. Listen to these words in 2 Samuel. I think I might have those here. Yep. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood. I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he'll be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, who was, uh, became an unfaithful leader, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. How exciting would it have been to go through generations and of, of kings, leaders, and say, we, we need one who's going to actually go before us and fight for us, with us, and, and, and have victory. And God says, there will be one. These things sound familiar. On this side of the cross, we might think of a different king than the people at the time did. He will establish a home or family for God's people. His kingdom will last forever. He will be a son to the father. He'll be punished by the hands of man, but the father's love will never be taken from him. He will never stop loving And that rule that he has as king will be established forever. We hopefully read that and go, Jesus, in an appropriate yelling of the term Jesus. It's Jesus. He's going to come. Oh, just wait. 
wait till you guys get to the New Testament and you see Jesus come on the scene. But at the time, they still thought it would just be a really great human king. So they were looking for the Messiah to come to establish his nation. They weren't looking for a glorious garden where all things were right and people were with their king. They had much lower expectations and standards. They just wanted someone who could be decent. Their hazy remembrance of a time where the garden was good causes them to just continue to look for a person to be this person. They set a low bar. The Messiah will come and he'll be the best king they've ever had. Forgetting still that they already had the best king and the only king they'll ever have. So let's get back to Jesus and Pontius Pilate. When Jesus is called the king of the Jews, people are thinking around Jesus that he has come to be this great human guy who will lead them and not lead them to the greatest battle of sin and death and Satan and defeat Satan as we know happens, but they're hoping that he'll be the king who will bring them back to their glory days. When they can be in charge, when Romans aren't over them, when they're not exiled, when they're not enslaved by Egypt, but when they're their glorious country, nation together, right? They have this hope in him. And so Jesus responds uh, in a way that lets us know, and in the moment lets Pilate, which he doesn't even know, that his kingdom is far greater than just overthrowing some current kingdom. Jesus says this. If you look here, oh, I got to point the other way. Right here, verse 36. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. And then Pilate says, I love this reaction. You're a king then. Jesus just told him his kingdom is not of this world. He's not just a king who's coming to make their lives better, coming to make their nation greater. He's the king out of this world, a different level. Jesus tells Pilate that his kingdom is not of the world. Pilate doesn't have a problem with this. You may wonder, Pilate would say, whoa, I'm the governor here. You don't get to be king because Pilate understands that as you're just another religious leader, like the chief priests, the other leaders. Oh, they made you the king of their little group. That's cool. Well, I'm still the governor of, of the region of the Roman Empire who rules over all. And Pilate gives what might be the greatest under, uh, understatement in the history of the world to Jesus, who is king of all things on heaven and on earth, Oh, you're a king. He just sees Jesus as one more person ruling in people's lives, but not the ultimate authority. Like he would see Caesar, which why which is why he sees no threat in Jesus. He says he's talking to Jesus, who is the king of the Jews, but he's unaware that he's also the king of the Romans. 
and king of all people who have come before him and all who will come after. He is the king of what one day will be Britain, the king of Nigeria and China and all countries of all time, of all people, the king one day of a country called America, the king of Minnesota. He's the king of you and me. He's talking to the king of kings. Jesus is not a king. He's the king. What a wild moment that we get to go back and look at. Jesus just told him, I'm a king of another place. I'm not what you think. And he says, huh, interesting. And then he goes on. He says, you're a king. And Jesus says, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Jesus is not, is the king of all. And he's the king of truth. He's not just another worldly king, but he's the king of what is true. He is the essence of truth and rules in that truth. His kingdom is one of truth. I said the word truth a lot. How good is that, though, to hear today? Jesus knows what is true and right and rules in that. How often do I feel like I don't know what's true? I don't know who's telling the truth or what's real. And Jesus is saying, I'm the king of all and I know the truth. It's a a great question to ask ourselves. Is Jesus a king in your life or is Jesus the king of your life? What parts do you let Jesus rule and what parts does he not get to rule? Do you just want him for the spiritual part and then and a lot of other people get to be the one who rule other parts of your life? Who do you think is going to save you, rescue you from your current brokenness, rescue our community, our country, the world from its brokenness? Ultimately, who fixes the problem of sin and death and Satan that is the root of all of our problems? It's, it's not someone we get to vote for. It's the king who always has been and still will be. That's great news. And Pilate uh, responds. You would think in the moment, if he understood what was going on, he'd say, whoa, Jesus. He's Jesus. He's the king. He doesn't understand. And, and, and it's good because Jesus needs to die right after this. He needs to die for us. But, but Pilate says, what is truth? This is interesting. Look at how this happens. Pilate says, what is truth, retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again. The Jews gathered there. Pilate doesn't I want to have a discussion about truth. He's saying, almost sarcastically, oh, yeah, what's truth, <laughs> right? Yeah, while 2,000 years ago, Pontius Pilate says to Jesus Christ, who is the truth, well, what's truth, right? How relevant to a day with how quick you say, I don't know what's true. Well, who cares? What is really truth? We have a king who rules all things in truth. 
And then look what happens. And he says, I find no basis for a charge against him. He goes back out to the people. But is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of Passover? Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? I don't, I don't think he did. I don't know if there's air quotes back then, but the king of the Jews. You want me to release him? They have an opportunity to say, yeah, we'll, we'll take Jesus back. Even if the, it's just because they think he's going to bring him out of their exile, right? Out of the rule over the Romans. And they still say, no, 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 no. Give us Barabbas, who's a criminal, possibly a murderer, who's, been, who's partook, partaken in an uprising there. They say, no, give us someone else. Actually, you know what? Keep, keep King Jesus. We're going to take Barabbas. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged beaten and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put on his head. They clothed them in purple cloth and went to him again and again saying, hail King of the Jews. It's just, just mocking him. They slapped him in the face. Little did they know in that moment, they were mocking Jesus as King of the Jews, mocking their King of all time. Little did they know he would ascend to his throne one day and forever rule over us. Little did they know that he had stepped down from his throne years earlier to rescue and save us. A king going before us to fight our battles. That he would suffer and die that day on a cross for their sins including those mocking him in that moment, the ones yelling, oh, hail the king of Jews, putting royal garments on him and a crown of thorns. Oh, look at the king. And as they did that, he was suffering for them so that they would not have to spend eternity away from him. The king would do before them what we wished forever, that he would do battle with sin and Satan and death and defeat them. And he does. And he returns and he rises from the dead and he assembles his family, his kingdom, and says, you got to go tell everyone this good news of the victory that there is a king and he's good and it's for everyone, not just the Jews. So our good news today, the gospel changes our lives because our king has rescued us and he's far greater than just overthrowing a government. He changes everything. We are blessed with an invitation and a position in the household and kingdom of King Jesus. We are blessed to choose Jesus and not have to choose a political party to put our hope in. We're blessed with the love so strong and empowering that we can love people who even disagree with us politically. We're blessed that we get to seek justice and prosperity and flourishing in our communities out of a love for our communities because we've already been saved and made right and given an identity. So we need to find those in a political party or a person. I don't need to look at a sign in someone's yard and say, I know who they are and what they believe and ugh. Or, ooh, I should talk to them. I bet we're on the same page on many things. I get to go to all people's yards and see all people because I've already been blessed by Jesus. There's, there's two ways I feel as we uh, kind of wrap up our time here. Um, there's two ways I feel often in this world is I feel that um, either I need to kind of go all in 
because as soon as I pick an issue or a person in a political party, because of the way it works here where we live, um, I swear my loyalty to them. And now I not only swear a loyalty to them, but I swear a battle of demonizing the other people who have, who have picked the other side. I, create, I have to create an enemy and I have to begin to hate them and judge them and really dehumanize them so that I can be a part of something. I think about this when I think how we use our voice, how quickly we become angry. When you post on social media, what are the angriest things you post or the strongest things you post? I found myself thinking the only time I see or feel like swearing on social media is when talking about politicians or people or the other side. What does that say about us if that's where we get the most angry? You know, honestly, I personally feel like giving up. I, who cares if I vote? Does it matter? Does it change anything? I don't, I don't want to worship either side. I, I don't want to be an enemy. And so it's easier just to become apathetic. This really seems to be easier to just not care. I'm tired of polarization and wanting to see good things in my neighbor with my neighbors, but losing hope in politicians year after year. And often because my hope is not in Jesus. I, I don't remember that I'm blessed. Because sin and brokenness makes me weary and I forget that King Jesus is taking care of it. And that I don't get the opportunity to be apathetic. I have been called to a kingdom that's all about kicking down the doors of darkness in my neighborhood and in my community. And I get to, I get to march with King Jesus and bring life and joy to the people around me. The gospel changes that. And it has to start with us first being blessed and knowing that and our cup being filled with that, not with a hope in anybody else or anything else. And out of that coming then our opportunity to bless in the way we vote, in the way we act, in the way we participate, in the way we move towards people in our community. That's getting ahead of myself. That's what we're excited about next week. Look at what does that look like to then move out of this. But first, let's just stop and pray and know that whatever happens in a vote, in an election, that our security and our satisfaction is in our unchanging king that we can know that Jesus is king and that can overflow from us, that we can pray and discern what to do with the help of the Holy Spirit, our king's presence with us, that we can rest well at night knowing King Jesus will return and make things right. Let's not forget that Jesus is king in heaven and we're not just stuck here forever, but that Jesus will return one day and make his kingdom here with us. We see this in the beginning of Revelation as it, introdu it introduces the book of Revelation, which is at the end of the Bible. It talks about what will be one day. And it says, from, And from G Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. He's the king of kings. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. So Revelation 
it talks about King Jesus establishing his kingdom and those things that I want to vote for every year, every four years, and they just don't have nothing. Brokenness doesn't get eliminated. And I put my hope in a person or party and say, they're going to do it. And then they're broken. They can't. I'm, I'm creating, uh, I'm worshiping them and they aren't gods. It, and that, a lot of that is on me. I'm expecting things from them that can't be if I called a plumber to my house and he showed up at my house and I said, cool, I need you to put a ceiling fan in those two bedrooms upstairs. He'd say, what are you, with pipes? What are you talking about? I'm calling people to do things that they're not created to do. And then I'm disappointed in them. And then I become angry. And then I say, oh, forget it. I won't deal with any of it. I become apathetic. And so we today are blessed because we know King Jesus. And he's the king of all things and always has been. And we can rest in that, knowing that whatever happens, he's king. And that allows us to move freely and blessing the people around us. We're ex- I'm excited to continue to move into this next week and think about what does it mean to be a blessing and to overflow from that as part of King Jesus' kingdom. Let's just pause, though, today. Not too quickly move into, okay, then what do we do? How do we do this? How do we get things to pause? Take a breath. Let us rest and have our cups filled knowing that Jesus is king. How important is that today? Stop and let your cup be filled. Maybe it has nothing to do with politics today. You just need a breath to let your cup be filled so that you could be a blessing in whatever thing you get to participate in this week.